It's Sunday night, it's 9.30 and the teddy bears are back in business. Welcome along to the 49th edition of the Jersnet podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers show made by the fans for the fans. win over on the rock and this afternoon's masterclass versus Marseille. We're also taking a wee look at the transfers, the squads, the tactics and all the rest of it and how delighted are we that the football's finally back. Uh, joining us this evening on the show we have uh, the returning Christine Somerville. Christine how did you enjoy your day at Ibrox today? Well considering the last time I watched Marseille at Ibrox the rain was absolutely oh it was, it was really one of the heaviest downpours um, I can remember. So today was a nice uh, change from that, certainly. But no, I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it's, it's great to see so many different players getting a wee chance uh, to show what they can do. That was great. The only thing that was raining today was raining goals. Um, oh, it was a good day. It was a, a wonderful performance. And we'll, we'll come on to it later and, and, and cover who played well and who really stood out. Also with us this evening is the resident sound guru, Graham Gallagher. Graham, how's your summer been? Well, summer's been pretty good. Now that the football's started, I can really enjoy it. Aye, how have you been whiling away the days? Cricket World Cup? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, right now, as always, we are live this evening on the Jersnet podcast. We've enabled the comments on the YouTube stream, so I'll be keeping my eye on that throughout the show. Please do get in touch. Let us know what you think. Um, we'll try and get through as many of that as possible. Also, please do forgive us if any rude little words pop out or if we make any silly mistakes. We are live. We're unfiltered. Please join in um, get involved with the show. Right. Uh, if you've never listened to the Jazznet podcast before, you're very welcome along to the start of the new season. This is our third season um, doing the show. If it's your first time listening, I hope you enjoy the show. You can always like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Sound, uh, Spotify, all the rest of it, Acast, everywhere you get your podcast from, please do like and subscribe and you will never miss a thing from us. Also, please do make sure you head back and check out last week's show when Colin was in the hot seat bringing you a, a really interesting discussion celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Morris Johnson signing um, and looking at the implications that that had for Rangers, for Celtic, for Scottish football, how it was treated by the media. It's a really fascinating show. Even for me, I wasn't even born at the time, but it's a really, really good show and I recommend you head over and check that out. Right, I think I've babbled on long enough. It's time to crack on with the show. Um, the natural place to start is with the return of the, the football as proper this week. Obviously, we headed over to Gibraltar on Tuesday to take in uh, the match against St. Joseph's. Um, Graham, first of all, how did you see this match? What did you think of the, the performance out there in Gibraltar? Well, it was a game of two halves, to kind of phrase. Um, first half, we were a bit, I felt we were a bit nervy. Um, we were a bit over-deliberate on the ball. Um, the second half, again, was 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 a, a marked difference. We were a bit more open. Uh, we moved the ball a lot quicker. But then when I was watching the game, I, I, I thought, well, maybe these conditions have got something to do with it because it was apparently it was very hot. And also when you watch the ball, uh, you had to lift the ball off the, off the surface in order to make it move. Um, but it, as it was catching up, it was catching up on the surface a lot. 
So the second half for me was 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 a, a vast improvement on the first. I it's a it's a weird pitch. It was it was strange conditions I think because of the heat, but also I, I believe there was quite a swirling wind. Um, obviously the pitch is is far from ideal, and whilst we have practice on those pitches from last season in, in the top flight in Scotland, it's it's not an ideal place to play football. When you add in the fact that you then got jumbo jets taken off in the background, it's um it's a slightly surreal experience. Christine, do you think that we can at this stage of the season afford the players a wee bit of a slower start in that first half? I think it was kind of inevitable. I mean, it's our first competitive game. Um, as as Graham said, the weather, the pitch, um, we probably couldn't expect an awful lot. Um, but it was the first half was a disappointment. There's no doubt about that. But once I think we got the first goal, then it just seemed to change and it, it flowed. And I don't think we were ever in any danger really of losing a goal. Uh, but I, you know, the, you know, it was good to just see the goals coming in and obviously to get a clean sheet. It was the first chance, Christine, for us to see a lot of the the new signings in a competitive atmosphere. Um, did any of the new boys really stand out to you? Who do you think we can look forward to seeing this year? I like the look of Aribo. I like the look of a... Oh, what's his name? Ojo? Ojo? Um, funnily enough, my sister knows a Fulham season ticket holder and she was asking him about Ojo and he was saying that he's got all the skills required but he's not got a great football brain. So make of that what you will. Um, but I, no, I liked, um, I liked the look of all the players, actually, that we've signed. Um, I think they've done quite well. There's none that you could say, well, that was a waste of money. Um, no, I, no think. I, think you're, I think you're right. I mean, obviously, as we've got a comment here on, on the, the YouTube saying that the game kind of turned into a training session Um and it was, uh, I don't think that's an unfair point. I think, you know, we're still getting up to speed and the conditions were strange. And, and by the time, obviously, we sized up the, the measure of the opposition quite quickly and, and fell into a rhythm. Um, but I think it was a really good chance to, to see the new boys, see how they bed in and, and kind of see the shape of things and, and try and sense how Gerard is going gonna, is gonna to shape up in the season to come. Graham, an interesting discussion point maybe could be that obviously we've, we've brought... Shea or Joe in as a wide player from Liverpool and and by all accounts in his in the friendlies and and again on on Tuesday against St Joseph's he, he was really commanding in a really imperious performance. How would this measure up with you if if we then fail to get Ryan Kent? Do you think we've got a, a suitable replacement in Ojo or do you think it's worth still kind of trying to break the budget and and bring in Kent either probably on loan but potentially permanently as well? Oh, that's a difficult question to answer. Um, Ojo isn't a direct replacement for Ryan Kent, although judging by the stuff that he's been doing, he's been mostly on the right-hand side, but he's been he's been given licence to move across the wings. Um, and he's been swapping that position with um, Jordan Jones, who I think he's been, uh, you know, Jordan's been, he's been trying and some of his stuff has, has been quite nice. Other stuff hasn't quite come off, and he lacks a little bit of pace, from what I can see. Uh, in the St. Joseph's match, there was a few occasions where he could have gone by his man, and he didn't. 
But maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't what his intention was. Maybe his intention was to sell the dummy and come inside. I don't know. But um, no, Ojo's not a replacement for Ryan Kent. Whether or not um, Jurgen Klopp thinks it's it's a good idea to keep a hold of Ryan Kent and allow him to come back to us for another year for his development or not was is entirely up to to Jurgen Klopp. But uh, I think what we've got at the moment is is pretty decent. But uh, especially with Jamie Murphy coming back in today, um, I don't. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure whether we really need him. Um, and how Borna Barisic played alongside Ryan Kent at times was a bit lacking. Whereas when he's playing along with Jordan Jones, he seems to fit into the the shape of the squad and the shape of the team on the park a lot better. So. Uh, it's all again. It's all ifs and buts. I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. Um, just to kind of segue away, you mentioned Borna Barisic there, and I have a feeling that Borna Barisic is going to be the real conundrum over the next six or seven weeks because I, I was very very critical with Barisic um, consistently throughout last season. I thought he was he wasn't good enough considering the reported outlay that we spent on him. the The reputation that he had in Croatia wasn't coming across in, in his performances in Scotland um, and I was really confident that we would probably try and shift him on this summer by all accounts his pre-season has been exceptional um, he's come back with a different attitude he's come back in fantastic physical condition apparently um, and it, it's probably given the management team a, a headache as to what to do with Barisic Graham where do you come down on this do you think that we can Almost take a, is it taking a gamble if we stick with Barisic throughout the through the at least until January or do you think that we should really be looking to reinforce at left back before the the window shuts? Um, well, John Flanagan's out at the moment because he's injured, and Andy Halliday came on today. I don't know if Andy Halliday is the solution to 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 the Barisic issue um, going forward, but he's certainly handy as a backup player. I think that's. That position is what John Flanagan's there for. I don't see Steven Gerrard going into the market to buy a left back, um, or even get one on loan for that matter. Um, no, I think I think he's going to stick with Barisic. Like, I don't think he's going to. Uh, I don't think he's going to. I think that a lot of the Rangers fans have judged Barisic on a, a season where a he was settling in, and b he had a number of injuries. And possibly was was rushed back through injury, uh, and so he never really settled. But there's definitely a player there. And today he was a little bit, maybe about a half half a yard short on his tackle. But other than that, he was excellent. Christine, what do you reckon? Am I being a wee bit harsh on Borna Barisic? I don't think you've been harsh, Ross. Um, but I do agree. With Graham, um, I agree that last season it was a disappointment because we also um, against us um, in Europe. We thought, oh, we're getting a player here, and then it didn't really work out for him for perhaps a variety of reasons. You know, he's a, he's still not a, a you know, he's still a fairly young guy away from home. So you just don't know, you know, what's going through people's minds and and what's affecting them. But um, I do like him, and I would like to see him given the chance. And on Ryan Kent, I have to be honest, I'm not really bothered whether he comes back or not. I certainly wouldn't like us to have a huge outlay on paying a fee for him. Um, 
because I don't think I think he's still a work in progress. I think he did well, particularly against Celtic, which is probably why a lot of people are wanting him back. But over the season, um, I'm not quite convinced about Ryan Kent. So whether he comes back or not is irrelevant to me. I think George and Jones could fill that role quite well. I mean, it's it's kind of been the, the story that's dominated our closed season so far is the will he, won't he around Ryan Kent. And I'm, I, I don't see him stepping into a Liverpool first team this season. And I think if I was a Liverpool fan, I would be look, you know thinking we should just cash in, get a few million quid for this boy and, and, and move on. Obviously, it's unlikely that we'll be stumping up the fee to to prize him away from Liverpool permanently. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I can quite see him coming back up. But by all accounts, he's desperate to come back up the road. But whether an agreement can can be met between the two clubs, I don't know. Listen, if we if we switch back over to the St Joseph's game for a moment, um, Christian, being realistic here, this is game over, right? Four away goals. Them coming over to Ibrox, this should be bread and butter stuff. How do you approach the second leg in these in these occasions? Do you try and rotate in some of the youngsters, obviously given the limitations of the Europa League squad, or do you kind of go hell for leather and, and try and put as many past them as possible while we get fitness up and, and get a bit of confidence in the team? I think maybe a wee mixture, to be honest, Ross. I think um, maybe try a couple of the, the promising kids, but have still have the basis of the you know first team players there uh, because it only takes a couple of stupid things to happen and you know, we're suddenly maybe a goal down and then the crowd begin to get anxious although with 4-0 it you know it is over um but I, I would not go too much with the youngsters but maybe just lead uh, get some of them into into the team and get them a wee bit of European experience. The other thing is, we've got a lot of our, our new players that don't have that European experience. So perhaps, um, you know, experience a European night at Ibrox. Although it's not the usual European nights because it'll still be light. Probably won't sell out, um, especially at four 0 But just get them the the experience of playing. Graham, how about yourself? What do you hope to see from us on Thursday night? Um, I hope to see the the same spirit and endeavour that Stevie Gerrard espouses, to be honest with you, and he just wants to smash them. So, yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see Rangers smash them another 4-0. No, no stepping off the gas, just keep going. Score as many goals as you can and send a message to anybody that's watching. Fair point. I mean, especially considering the fact that we don't have much of a, of a barometer of Scottish football against Gibraltar football, but we've already surpassed the market that was laid down two or three years ago by the other side in the Champions League. So I think I agree with you, Graham. Like it's it's still it's still training essentially. Obviously it's competitive and obviously there's there's something at stake, but we can approach this second tie with um you know with a certain mindset whereby it's this is this should be comfortable, but it should be now about not letting that comfort set into your mentality, pushing on um, and, and getting the minutes in the legs and getting your confidence up because you're right, we have to send a marker. The, the likelihood is that we're playing Progress Nidocorn in the next round, right? They, they put two past Cork City over in Ireland in the week. So the likelihood is that we're playing Nidocorn. We need to show them that we're a different proposition to what we were two seasons ago. Um, 
obviously, given the, the history between Rangers and Niederkorn or the potential um, circumstances, let's say, around Rangers travelling to Ireland, Graham, are you pleased that it looks like it will be Niederkorn or would you rather that we were heading over to Cork? Uh, it makes absolutely no difference to me who we play uh, because if you're going to win a tournament or you're going to enter a tournament, you have to beat everyone. So it doesn't make any difference to me. Sorry to be short, but that's 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 the way I feel about it. Oh, fair point. There's me scrabbling around for another question. Um, Christine, how about yourself? Would you rather have had Cork City or would you like a, a wee trip over to Luxembourg? Um, well, I won't be going to either of them. So um, I think it, I'm a wee bit like Graham. It doesn't really matter to me. I think if you're Rangers security people, they probably would prefer Luxembourg, to be honest. I don't think there's any question about that. Graham, we've had an interesting question here on the on the YouTube stream. Someone suggesting that we should have um, we should have gone out and bought Lawrence Shankland. Uh, obviously, he, he he did the business consistently for Air United. He's now stepped over to Dundee United um, for an, yet another season in the Championship. I see that he scored the other night against Hearts. Do you think that Shankland, considering that we are okay, we've got Defoe up top, Morelos. No one quite knows what's going to be the, the situation in a couple of weeks. Morelos. Um, and, and Greg Stewart as well, who can play up through the middle. Do you think that Lauren Shankland would have been an acquisition that we could do just for cover and to, and to fill a spot in the squad? For, for a striker's position? Aye, that's what I would see him playing. Um, no. He, he did okay, or well, he did better than okay at United. Um, and then he's made that move to, to Dundee United. I think Dundee United have got aspirations to return to the Premier League as soon as possible with their new American owner. But uh, no, I don't see him. I mean, no, just no. Just no. Just no. Oh, fair play. Right. I think what we'll do is we'll leave the uh, the Europa League chat there. Obviously, we'll, we'll be in hopefully a, a stronger position next week and, and Colin will be taking you through the performance that we'll go through on Thursday. Um, by that point, we'll know who we're facing. Presumably, it'll be Niederkorn. I know that there's still, for anyone listening who's not quite aware, there's potential of a Luxembourgish team dropping down from the Champions League. So yet again, the dates are all up in the air about when we'll actually be heading over to Luxembourg. Um, I spent a year living there, so if anyone needs any hotel recommendations, get in touch. Um, what we'll do is we'll move on to the, the Marseille game today and take a wee look back at that and discuss the position that the squad's in, obviously, with that game in Oxford last weekend. Um, Graham, what did you make of the game today at Ibrox? Uh, what did I make at the end of the day? I thought we were I thought we were an easy street, to be absolutely honest with you. I don't think Marseille offered very much. Um, not even Dimitri Payet. Dimitri Payet, it didn't matter whether he played in, on the left-hand side of the wing or whether he came inside. Uh, our midfield was all over that, uh, and he never really got a sniff of the ball. There was one occasion where he got a shot off, um, which sailed past uh, Al McGregor's left-hand post, which was which was probably the the closest he got to to the goals all day. His deliveries were excellent from corners, but other than that, we 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 basically bossed that game today from start to finish with uh, a number of changes, and uh, you know. I thought Joe Aribo had a smashing game. Uh, I thought I thought his movement in tight positions inside the, the midfield was was excellent, and his forward movement was excellent. I thought our um, uh, our, 
our centre of defence and Edmondson was excellent as well. His distribution was fantastic, his range of passing. Uh, able to find people on either wing uh, from such a young guy as well. Um, I thought that was excellent and their forward movement was 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 excellent. Danny Candias was on fire in the first half. He just kept breaking through those lines and and then, you know, when Danny got his, his second goal, uh, it had been telegraphed uh, beforehand because Ryan had Ryan Jack had made the, the, the same pass only to uh, to Joe Aribo who was in a similar position but just inside the box and that pass didn't that, that pass wasn't completed unfortunately. However the next time he did it he he, he got Daniel Candace on the run and Daniel brought it down and just slotted it home perfectly. So yeah and even the second half the second half we made a number of changes and we dominated that as well. They looked a bit more they looked a bit more lively in the last 10 minutes after they'd made about eight changes. Uh, but, you know, they, they didn't really pose much of a threat for us, to be honest with you. No, and this is the team that came in fifth in, fr- in the, the, the French top tier last season, right? So this is a strong calibre of European opposition. Um, and we made them look amateur. There's no bias about that. We made them look absolutely rotten. Um, Christine, why is that? Was I mean, could you say that we are maybe a couple of weeks ahead in the pre-season schedule and that our fitness is better? Um, or are actually, are we looking at what is potentially a very, very strong ranger side? Well, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm going back to Gaza's first season. If you remember, there was a, a tournament at Ibrox and still Bucharest were playing it, playing us. And I think we beat them some like 4-0 and it was like, oh my God, we're going to win the Champions League. Um, and then we actually met them in the competition later on and they knocked us out. So I never really tried to judge the season on pre-season friendlies or you know how we're going to perform because it's just never really the same. Marseille didn't impress me at all, but you know, they may, may just see it as a, a run around just getting fitness back. Um, so it's difficult to say. I don't, I wouldn't like I agree to, with that as well, Christine. Yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any kind of predictions for the season, certainly based on performances and friendlies. Because no, listen, I, I, I take the point, but but surely uh, an unfit and a poor Marseille team is better than a fit and a 100% St Mirren team, right? I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that surely the calibre of player that we came up against today with your um, Duja Coletta car playing at the back for them, obviously Dimitri Payet, uh, they've got some, obviously Florian Tovan went off quite early on, went off injured after he, I think he rolled his ankle on the Astro off the side of the pitch there. Um, but they've got a high calibre of good quality European players and we made them look Sunday League, we made them look like juniors. So surely, you know, a, a, an unfit and an untrained Marseille team with those players is going to be better than the calibre of opposition that we're going to be looking at, you know, a, a St Johnston or a Livingston or someone like that. Well, you would think so, Ross, but, you know, it was really just a kick of it, to be honest. And we happened to score four goals. And we looked pretty decent doing it. But then we have already got a competitive match under our belt uh, before this league started for us. Um, so, you know, that, that says a lot. That says a lot for, for, for Gerard's 
um, training regime in Portugal and the, the shape that he's got our players in, as opposed to where Marseille are and where they're likely to be. I think it, I think as well, you know, you talk about the Scottish teams, but there's no mad tackles or anything like that going in today from from either team. Whereas what you get is when you start, um, you know, playing league games in Scotland, there's just idiots going in for insane tackles. Um, so I, I think it's difficult to really draw a comparison there. But no, I agree. I mean, Marseille have got some great players and we made them look ordinary. But I still don't want to go overboard on our displays because it's a friendly and just not competitive. I'm willing to go overboard. I thought we were I thought we were exceptional. I thought the way we moved the ball was brilliant. I thought, by the way, Tavernier was different class yet again. Um, and, and what an asset we have in that boy, considering the outlay we spent on him and the questions that have been over his defensive attributes. I thought he was absolutely wonderful. But... I feel I've done quite well here. I've resisted. We've been going for about 25 minutes now and I've not mentioned Daniel Candeas. I am this boy's biggest fan. I think he's an exceptional football player. Christine, Daniel Candeas' performance this, uh, this afternoon, what did you make of it? I thought it was absolutely excellent. The wee lady, actually, that sits beside me, Vina, she was talking about him and saying, why doesn't Candeas get a game every, you know, every, every game kind of thing? And um, I said, I don't know. So the next thing, he was off at halftime. But, um, no, I'm a, I'm a Candias fan as well. I thought his second goal in particular was absolutely excellent. Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. The way that, that control, you can't, you can't teach that touch. You know, that's, no. that's, that's instinct. And the, do you know what saddens me is the, the sense that I get is that this management team doesn't rate him in the same way that obviously you and I do. Um, Graham, we made a point. Um, last season on the pod that maybe Daniel Candias is the kind of player who you'll get a couple of excellent performances from and then it'll dip a wee bit, there'll be inconsistency um, obviously you can you can raise all the question marks around his, his delivery and his final ball and his output um, but a point that we made last year was that sometimes he needs to be dropped and if he sits out for two or three weeks he then comes back into the team and he's rearing to go. Is it possible that with him being omitted from the Europa League squad for this first qualifying round, Gerrard's doing exactly that and knows he can he can get a reaction from him. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Um, however, I'd like to I'd like to say that, that, that a game like today is perfect for Danny Candias. Uh, he's he's work rate is unquestionable. His work rate is excellent. It always has been. He always gives a hundred percent as far as his work rate is concerned. But when it comes to breaking down teams that are sat with ten men behind the ball, Danny's not the answer because. He doesn't really have a trick and he can't really go by people. But if you're playing with a, against a team who likes to play open football and who are attacking and not sitting behind the ball, then Danny's, Danny's great for getting in behind them and just pop and slotting the ball away. But if he's got 10 men like Echo Marnock, then it's a, it's a difficult, a very difficult game for Danny to, to, to assert himself on. Yeah, so that, that's basically the quality you're getting. That's the difference between a player at the price of Danny Candias and somebody like Ojo, who's estimated to be a lot more than him. And that's probably got something to do with uh, the kind of footballing upbringing that someone like Danny Candias will have had. The, you know, the continental style, and you're not you're not going to be faced with a, a team like Kilmarnock on an artificial surface. Um, 
There's an interesting point being raised on the, on the YouTube there, Christine, about the fact that Jake Hasty and Greg Stewart were not in the squad. I don't know if you've got any any knowledge as to why that might be. Can you think of any reason why they would be left out? I can't think of anything. I mean, it was you know it was the one of the first things um, my sister and I were talking about is where you know before the game that they're not even they're not even on the bench, and we had a couple of. Um, you know, we had a uh, Barjonas and the other <laughs> big tall centre for centre half. Um, what's Ka- his name? Help me out. Which which big tall centre half are you speaking of? The one that came on right at the end. A male, Lewis Mayo. The one that scored, Lewis. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, and if you're listening, I'm very sorry about that. Oh, I, he listens, I'm sure. But um. Do you know, the, he obviously wanted a couple of youngsters on the bench today. Um, do you know, the, I, 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 other than that, I have no um, great thoughts and great knowledge of why neither of them were, were available. But maybe just to give the others the others a chance. It just shows you what a, you know, riches we have there. The squad's got a lot of depth this year, to be honest. To be fair, Christine, and he's 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 trying to find places for guys so that he can get a good look at them and and, and a sort of semi-competitive game. So, yeah, I would expect to see um, uh, Greg Stewart and Jake Hasty appear um, on t- as Tuesday. We're playing, isn't it? Tuesday's game. Yeah, I would expect to see them then. Aye. Now listen, going from, from folk who weren't playing to someone that did manage to get a few minutes today is, is Jamie Murphy. And obviously over the last 12 months for him have been, I'm sure, an absolute nightmare. Um, and I'm sure I speak for the, the three of us when I say that it was an absolute joy to see him back on that football pitch after the injury that, that he had to go through. Um, however, you could perhaps make an argument that Jamie Murphy was a good player for us two years ago, but maybe we've progressed um, and are, are slightly... Looking for a higher calibre of player, obviously he'll potentially be filling a void that will be left by the departure of Ryan Kent on the left wing. We all know what Jamie Murphy's going to do and that he's going to pick up the ball on the left wing, he's going to run a certain mileage, then he's going to cut in on his right foot and try and get a shot away. Everyone knows that's going to happen. Um, Graham, how much of a role do you think Jamie Murphy will play this season, considering how much the, the calibre of the squad has imp- uh, has progressed and improved over the last season when he's been missing, do you think that there's still a place for him? Yeah, I think there's still a place for him, but I think um, Steven Gerrard will be very selective about when he plays him. Um, he might not play him on heavy surfaces, and he definitely won't play him in any of the any of the plastic, that's for sure. Um, I, he was a bit, he was a bit uh, hesitant today, I noticed. Uh, and he, he, like all cruciate ligament injuries, he lacks that initial burst of pace when he's come back. Um, but he's still he's still got he's still skillful, um, and then he took. I noticed that he took a, a quite a heavy knock um, in the first five minutes of the second half. First five ten minutes of the second half, he took quite a heavy knock, and he stayed down for a little bit. Uh, and I was thinking, oh, oh, here we go. But no, he made it. He made it back up, and and he contributed quite a lot defensively, although he didn't appear to do much uh, offensively. So, yeah, if you use him sparingly, I think Jamie Murphy's still an option that you could use. Let's say then, Graham, hypothetically, that a, a bid was to come in for Jamie Murphy uh, before the, the window closes. Where do you sort of see his value? What would you 
be willing to part with Murphy for? Oof, the, depends where he's going. If he's going back down south, then you're talking the same sort of money that, that you would expect for a Windus or something, maybe. But if he's staying north, then no, it's just considerably lower. You see, that's the question, isn't it? Is what's the value of these guys? Not just in terms of what do they add to the squads, but could we get better value for the financial outlay that we could perhaps get for them? And, and with Cheney Murphy, I like him as a player. I really, really do. I just wonder if he's what we need in in the system that Gerard's clearly trying to play. And you know, we'll talk about tactics and shape and the rest of it in a moment. But it, it seems like well, Jamie Murphy's qualities are hold. Well, not only is he is he fairly decent dribbling. He, he, he holds the ball really well. And we don't, you know, Jermaine Defoe and the other forwards tend not to hold the ball up. Well, I've kind of noticed Jordan Jones is, is, is trying that aspect of his game and improving it. Um, but that's what that's what Jamie Murphy offers you. He can hold the ball there for supporting runners from the midfield. We don't really have that. Uh, I noticed that um, the OJ tends to hang on to the ball quite a lot. Uh, not really go anywhere with it and inevitably, you know, five times out of ten he loses it. So, I don't know. Maybe that's that's the sort of thing you're looking for. It's it's a tough one. I don't see him being a starter um, every week by any stretch of the imagination. But I think there's there's still a place for him in that he'll, you know, he, he can unpick defences. You know, we saw that even last season when, when we played against Scoopy. I remember his goal was... You know the the really good side of Jamie Murphy's game, and that he's clever. He can see the space, and he links up quite well with the other players. But I just wonder if if he's quite at the same standard as everyone else in the squad now. Obviously, another year older, had a whole year out with the injury. You hope that that doesn't play on his mind um, too much. But I still I still definitely think he has something to offer against tightly packed, doubling up, um, compact, stubborn, physical Scottish defences. Christine, before we move on from the uh, from the Marseille game today, um, it was 45 minutes in goal for Wes Fodringham. And for me, there's a wee bit of a conundrum here. Obviously, we've got uh, we've got McGregor as probably the undisputed number one. We've got Firth as well. I believe McCrory, young McCrory, has gone back out on loan. Um, so he won't be available to the first team squad. Is Wes Fodringham too good a goalkeeper to spend another season sitting on a bench? I would think he probably is. I mean, he's really never let us down. Wes, he's, you know, he's always he's always very consistent. And um, I feel slightly sorry for him. Uh, but I can't remember. I'm just trying to think what age Wes is. Um, because Alan McGregor's, what, 37, 38? Aye, I think Wes is around about 27. I think he's got a good decade on yeah. McGregor. So, but it depends on what his ambitions are. You know, he might not be be happy just sitting on the bench every week, as he would inevitably be doing. So, if a bid came in for him um, and he wanted to go, then I think we would probably let him go. But I do rate him and I, I do like him, but he's not... In the same class as uh, Alan McGregor, in my opinion. Well, then to follow on from that, let's say he does decide to spend another season on the bench, and there's, you know, uh, let's suppose that 
McGregor retires at the end of this coming season. Obviously, he's getting on in, in terms of age. I think, still think he's the best goalkeeper in the league by, by some way. But let's say for argument's sake that McGregor decides to retire at the end of the season and Fodringham's hanging about. Is Fodringham, we say, is perhaps too good to spend another season on the bench. Is he good enough to be the number one for Rangers for the next five or six years? Well, I think that um, with a decent defence in front of him, he probably is. Yeah, I would be quite happy with that. Um, and we're talking about, uh, you know, he's 37. Did MDC see Roger Federer today at 37? That's a fair point. Um, you know, yeah. you know what, what they go through. So um, I, would, I would be reasonably happy. But we would need backup for him as well, and I suppose that would come with first. Well, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if uh, um, I think Wes would be a great keeper for somebody else. Whether um, whether he's too good to sit on the bench at Rangers is a is a separate question. I mean, Wes is a great shot stopper, reaction saves, but he struggled he struggled with uh, anything above his head. Um, and uh, although in saying that, and 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 in his defence, he's really improved that aspect of his game. Uh, maybe because he's had the likes of Alan McGregor. But if we're going to be talking about playing sixty games in a season, you need somebody of a similar quality as to Wes Fodderham to bring off uh, the bench for I don't know cup games or uh, or whatever. You know, you need that. You need that that depth for keepers. You can't just rely on a thirty-six year old keeper. No, that's that's fair. Do you think that um, Wes Fodderham has ever cost us points? Graham, I mean, we've got someone, we've got Andy on the uh, on the YouTube comments there saying that Wes Fodringham is a a lower division goalkeeper, which actually to me is is a wee bit harsh because I think he's been entirely consistent throughout his time at Rangers, and like you say, he's a good shot stopper. Um, do you think he's ever actually cost us points? But I don't know about costing us points, but he was certainly he, he did the uh, showed himself in glory trying to take down. Uh, a hopeful speculative attempt by the likes of um, Anthony Stokes, did he? No, fair point. Um, but I just, I, I, what I struggle with is that I don't think he'll, I can't see why he would be happy to stay as a number two, considering the fact that I think he could very easily drop down back to England and play at a Leeds United or play at a, a Barnsley or a Charlton Athletic or something like that probably on the same or even better money. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a fair comment. It's, it's about um, where Wes Fodderingham sees himself in the grand scheme of things. Does he see himself as, a first, as the first choice, a, a, a Leeds or a Barnsley or whatever? Or does he see himself as the next Rangers goalkeeper? So where do you come down on that? Is, is Wes Fodderingham a, a Rangers goalkeeper for the next five or six years? At the moment, he's not, no. But... That doesn't mean to say that next season he won't be. I mean, is he is he too old now to really improve his game? Is he not kind of reaching his peak? Um, I would say for a goalkeeper between twenty eight and thirty, he'll be be getting there. But uh, he's still got about a year or two to go on that. So, yeah, maybe about a year or two. I don't know if McGregor, although goalkeepers tend to last in the game a lot longer than than, than your outfield players. Uh, probably because they don't have to, uh, you know, they don't have to sustain all that impact. Right. 
Um, but there's a, there's a, it depends whether whether his hips and his shoulders are, are good. That's that's another issue for, as far as McGregor's concerned. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's entirely possible that McGregor could make way for him next season. Well, then the the other person that we've not spoken about is um, is Jack Anik. You know, who again has, has shown himself not to be a poor goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, sent, spent last season out on loan at. Uh, a poor Scunthorpe team who ended up getting relegated down to League Two. What kind of future, Graham, do you see for for Mr. Anik at the club? That's that's the most difficult one um, because that, what I've seen of him, I thought he was a, a pretty decent keeper. Um, albeit he had uh, some crap in front of him when he played. Um, so I would think that he'd be either looking for a transfer or another loan. Christine, how about you? Do you think there's any place for for Anik in the squad going forward? Or do you think that obviously he's he's not making um, any appearances so far that I've seen? I doubt he'll be playing on Thursday against uh, St Joseph's. Do you think that his his days at Rangers are numbered and he'll be gone by the end of the window? I think they probably are, eh, Ross. Um, but if if Fodringham Fodringham had to go, then you know who knows. It's just, um, it's an unfortunate position, isn't it? Because there's only, there's only ever one person, you know, can have the jersey. And, um, you know, he's probably third in the pecking order, maybe even fourth. So um, I don't see his future being with us. No, I think I, think I agree with you, Christine. It's... Um... Obviously, he went out on loan, was the number one at Scunthorpe, um, played every game for them, I believe, in, in their league campaign. And I think it'll be difficult for him to now come back from that and, and not even see himself as a number two at a club. So I, I really think that by the end of the season, by the end of the, the transfer window, we'll be at least one goalkeeper lighter. Um, if we sort of continue this chat and, and move away from the friendly and, and keep talking about the, the tactics and the shape and the... the the squad as it stands at the moment. Um, Christine, what have you made of the recruitment over the summer? Up until yesterday, there could be a, a, a comment that we've not spent big, but we have definitely reinforced in terms of numbers. Um, if we take the, we'll talk about the signing of Philip Hellander in a moment, but if we look at the recruitment that's gone on before that, we've, we've brought in seven permanent signings, I believe, for very minimal outlay. Is that the right business model at this time, or do you think that we needed to start spending cash, which obviously we've gone on to do with the, the big Swedish centre half? I don't think cash necessarily brings you quality. I mean, look at Glenn Kamara. To me, he's been a, an absolute revelation. I mean, we only spent fifty grand on him, um, so it's just knowing the right players and, and where to get them. And I think we've we've done really well in the transfer market. And I don't want us to go out and spend money that we possibly don't have um, for the sake of it. Fair enough, if the right player comes along and it's going to, it's going to cost four million and we can afford it, then okay. But not really just to appease fans that aren't happy because we're not spending millions and millions on players because look where that got us in the past. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And obviously we still bear the, the scars of signings like Carlos Pena, who 
you know, spent a fairly chunky outlay on and didn't really see any of that recuperated. Um, if we if we address the kind of buffalo-shaped elephant in the room here and talk about Alfredo Morelos for a moment, Graham, obviously we don't know whether he's staying or going, and if he does go, we don't know what kind of fee we could get. There's a lot of people claiming that at the moment he's kind of touting himself around the English clubs. He's retweeting articles about him moving to Crystal Palace and, and what have you. Um, if he does go, let's say for argument's sake, he gets sold for £15 million. Um, how much of that fee do you think needs to be reinvested into one signing, one striker signing in order to to replace the goals that Morelos brings? Well, I wouldn't place too much stock in what Alfredo Morelos is posting because anytime his name's mentioned, he posts it. But um, as far as transferring, if he transfers to uh, an English uh, an English Premier League side, then you would expect something in the region of um, 12, 15 million, possibly higher. And uh, you, you're talking about having to replace 30 goals. So you would... You would uh, you would cut your cloth accordingly if you're looking for a player that can score 30, 30 goals a season. Um, you're probably talking the upper part of six seven millions. But I don't know whether whether there's any truth in that Alfredo Morelos wants to leave or that he is going to leave or that he's got transfer stuff lined up. Obviously, his agents looking and Palace have been linked with them. Um, I don't know. So. So let's say then that he does move on. Obviously, the name that we've had touted around is Kamar Roof coming up from Leeds. Um, how much do you know about him, Graham? Do you think that he could replace what Morelos gives us? I know absolutely nothing about Kamara Roof, other than that he plays on the left. I watched the uh, the Leeds. Um, what's the, uh, the 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 championship qualifiers for Premier League? I watched that, and I, I I don't even know if he was playing. That's how much I know about him. Superb. Um, Christine, how about yourself? Do you know anything of Kamar Roof and, and what do you think he can bring? I'm just laughing here because I'm saying, please, Ross, please don't ask me what I know about him because the, it's the square root of F all, really. Um, I'd never heard of him. Um, I tend not to watch any football, really, that Rangers aren't in. Um, I don't, I'm not a great fan of watching sort of just a game for the sake of watching it. Um, there's some that I, I'll watch, but I I don't really... I like to be supporting a team, so if it's just a neutral thing, I tend not to watch it too much. So I, I know absolutely nothing of the guy, but, um, you know, I'll trust the scouting system and the manager um, if they have looked at him and think he's... think he's... Rangers class for want of a better word, then, yeah. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Um, do you think then that there is anywhere that we do need to, to recruit more heavily in at the moment, or do you think that the squad's in, in pretty good nick? Um, I can't think. I mean, possibly, as things stand, I would say probably not, but we don't know if we're going to lose any players. Um, you know, I think with the, the right-back situation, um you know, if Tav had to go, for instance, and I hope he doesn't, but if he had to go, we're probably lacking a wee bit over that side. I mean, I, I think mean, Lanny can, can play the year, can't he? Um, but I don't, I'm not sure he's the answer. 
we've still got a few surplus players that up to go uh, in the background. Uh, you know, your your Lafferty and your the and stuff. So, you know, there's, there's there's definitely going to be players are going to have to be players leaving because the squad is just you know it's too big at the moment with those those passengers. But talking about um, uh, James Tavernier or or Alfredo Morelos leaving at the moment. Uh, there's 27 days in the, in the English market still to go. So I think it's a bit premature right at this moment. Uh, maybe towards the start of the season, you might see some talk or some real action as far as that's concerned. And I, I'm, not, I'm not one for speculating, to be, to be absolutely honest. No, it's a fair point. But I mean, obviously we had Gerard coming out in the media the other day there saying that if anyone does want Morelos, they need to come early and I, I totally respect that because you know this this guy is, has been a talisman for us for two seasons now he's been our top goal scorer um and that's really really difficult to replace and we're going to need time obviously it looks like we've, we've got our preferred options sorted but it takes time to get these things over the line as, as we all know um Colin do you think that obviously we, we brought in in a center half position we lost Joe Warrell and we lost Gareth McCauley we've now brought in uh, George Edmondson and big Philip Hellander, um, who's I think I'm right in saying is our most expensive signing since uh, Nikita Yelovich signed. Um, do you think that we could perhaps be looking at a new shape in the campaign to come? Obviously, there's a wee bit of talk online about looking at a three-five-two formation with uh, three centre halves and you know, get Tav and Barisic in a more advanced role. Do you think? Uh, I, I seem to remember that Gerard tried that last season perhaps against Motherwell but do you think maybe now we're a wee bit better equipped to go and be a bit more adventurous with this? Who's that question to? That's to you big man. All right um, 3-5-2 uh, is a difficult shape to to perfect especially if you're playing up against one striker. Um, the difference with having the two centre-backs is that they, they've got a clear line of sight to each other and that they you know they can they can they can always uh, see where the line is, uh, but with three, you have to have uh, at least two of the centre backs who are comfortable uh, carrying the ball forward. Um, uh, and I don't see, I don't see Connor Golson as being the, the player that can carry the ball forward. Although I would imagine that uh, that Katic can certainly do it. And uh, from what I've seen of Edmondson, I think he could do it, and he's a nice passer. So it's possible that they could he could use that. I think Stevie Gerrard spoke about the possibility of playing three at the back as well in today's interview after the game, his post match reaction. So yeah, it's, it's entirely possible, but it's not an easy it's not an easy um, formation to pull off and be good at. You have to be really you can't just you know chop and change it. Christine Graham mentioned a couple of moments ago that we've got a lot of passengers in the squad at the moment and. The squad perhaps is a wee bit bloated and, and needs to be trimmed down before we can push ahead this season. One area to me that that seems to be particularly true is in is in midfield. And we've got a huge number of, of midfield players. Um, if we're looking at the likes of Ryan Jack, Greg Doherty, Joe Aribo, uh, Glenn Kamara, Steve Davis, and then you move into the wider positions, your Shea Ojo's, your Jordan Jones, Jamie Murphy... Uh, Daniel Candeas, Jake Hasty, um, Greg Stewart obviously can play wide as well. Do you think that we're perhaps overstocked in these positions? And is Gerard going to have a hard time picking his strongest eleven? 
I think without doubt he will because well you've just named them all and how do you kind of permute permute a, a, a formation for, with you know people are, are going to be left out and disappointed but I suppose if you were the manager you know it's good to have different options it's good to have different options like to play three at the back with three you know solid defenders that you can depend on I don't think we've had that before um, but yeah I think we are sort of overly um, abundant with midfielders really um, I don't know out of all the ones you mentioned there who would move on because they're all fairly new signings apart from Jamie Murphy well, I mean, I think there's there's possibly a question mark over Greg Doherty this season. Obviously, he went mm. and had, a, by all accounts, an excellent time down at Shrewsbury. Um, but with, you know, the, the reinforcements that have been made, obviously, we're looking... I see that uh, Jordan Rossiter is headed out uh, to Fleetwood, obviously, so we've moved something out the door there. But, I mean, how does, how does Greg Doherty, who's already been loaned out by this manager once, how does he force his way into this side? Well, he obviously got an opportunity today to show what he could do, and I thought he quite a good game. Um, in terms of forcing your way in, that's really difficult because the manager's going to have his favourites. I'm not sure whether Greg Doherty will be one of them. Um, I like him. I like Greg Doherty, and he loves being a Rangers player, but I'm, I'm just not sure he's going to be a regular at all. But a good option to have to, to bring in Again, Ross, um, if you're planning on playing 60 matches in a season, um, you need that kind of depth. And taking Doc for an example, uh, last season he went on loan and uh, it's done him the world of good. Um, Ross McCrory's also gone on loan. He's gone to uh, Pompey, hasn't he? Um, so that'll, I'm hoping that does him the world of good also. But Doc has come back and he's been excellent when he's been in the team. He hasn't put a foot wrong as far as I can see. So, yeah, I think he'll be used this season. Might not be used in the, what you would consider the first team, but he'll definitely be used. And, and Graham, just before we finish, how much of our success this season depends on keeping hold of James Tavernier? Uh, James Tavernier's deliveries are, are, are second to none. Um, he was up there last season for uh, assists and goals with the likes of, in the top 10, as a matter of fact, in Europe, with the likes of Messi and, and uh, Ronaldo. Uh, but, you know, the, the, Scottish, the Scottish game doesn't rate him, apparently, uh, which I find absolutely bizarre. So why, uh, is that something to do with the fact that the Scottish game's not progressed in the same way as European football has, or is that more about the commentators making those comments? Uh, I think it's got to do with... Uh, uh, general perception of Scottish football is garbage. Uh, it isn't necessarily garbage, but it is, it is more physical and rough and tumble. And, you know, finesse players like Tavernier, are, especially when they're not flashy, uh, tend, to, tend to, you know, go under the radar. And the, 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 the journalists and opposition managers and uh, commentators don't want to talk about them because if they highlight them, then they concede that he's a great player. So you don't want to draw attention to your uh, opposition's strong points. 
Not unless you're you're organising a defence against her. But anyway, you know, I think Gerard's more uh, uh, geared towards uh, bringing through, uh, to quote the the great Vincent Laguardi Gambini, the Utes. That's fantastic. I love that. Right. Listen, I think that's probably all that we've got time for this evening as I'm stumped by yet another one of Graham's old-fashioned quotes there. Um, as always, the time's absolutely flown by. If you've enjoyed the show, thank you very, very much for joining us. If you've enjoyed it, please do make sure that you like and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Like I said at the top of the show, we're available on YouTube live and every Sunday evening. Um, and then from tomorrow, from Monday, we're available for download on iTunes, Acast, Google Play, Spotify, the whole load. Um, so please do make sure you like, subscribe, leave us a wee comment, let us know what you think. Obviously, we're always trying to reach new audiences and, and, and make the content better. Also, please make sure you head over to the website, www.jazznet.co.uk. Check out all the great content on there. The, uh, the match previews will be back. Lots of really fascinating articles. And like I say, Colin did a wonderful job uh, last week with the Morris Johnson special. Make sure you check it out. Let us know what you think on all the, all the channels. There's also a really friendly discussion forum over there. So if you're not a member, get signed up and, and let us know your thoughts. We'll be back next week with Colin in the hot seat, hopefully looking ahead to the second qualifying rounds of the Europa League, um, presumably against Progress Niedercorn, where we can hopefully put some demons to rest. Until then, my name's Ross Bennett. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thanks again to Christine and to Graham, and have a great week. <laughs>